Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Today on the show... You use the orange juice analogy. I love it. One of the other quotes that I've, I've heard is, a coal, when it's put under pressure, a piece of coal, it turns out to become a diamond. So I encourage people out there, you might be feeling like a piece of coal right now. You might be under a lot of pressure from various different things, but it's this pressure and how you ultimately will deal with it and you come out the other side, you can come out the other side as a diamond. Hey guys, how's it going? So usually when I start off a lot of these uh, expert interviews and people that I have these wonderful conversations with, I start off with, uh, you're in for a special treat here today. So first of all, you are in for a treat, but today is not just going to be just a treat. Today, the best way I could describe today would be a little bit of an emotional roller coaster. Um, I'm going to date this. It's May 2020, right in the midst of, you know, the whole pandemic and the COVID-19 and all those things that we're going through. And you know what? As things progress and as things go on, you know, people are going to have, you know, times of crisis and times of challenging, challenging times and things that just aren't going to go your way. So one of the people, one of the most uh, influential stories I heard was from somebody named Jay Gabrani, and I was uh, very honored and blessed to um, know Jay since 2008. Like we, we go quite a ways back and I've known his story and I followed his story. And one of the things we did is we actually had a wonderful conversation and we were, you know, I was blessed to be one of the people to first share his story on a public stage after he had gone through um, this, uh, one of his crises and challenges. And I'm gonna share that story. We're gonna share that story with you here, but it's, it, don't, get, don't get us wrong. It's really from a standpoint of to serve and help and inspire you that great things come from challenging times. Jay outlined three, three challenging moments. Uh, one where some real estate really went sideways, some deals went sideways. Um, a second one, which I'm not going to tell you and let the cat out of the bag. You might know a story, but if you don't, I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag. And then the third one is something that is going through right now with this whole COVID-19. And Jay shared with us each of the way of how he turned those crisis moments into pivoting into better opportunities, into improving his lot, into improving his position and things, into deepening his relationships, into making him himself a better person. So this is a, a deep conversation, and this is one that uh, I hope hits you right in the feels a little bit, um, because it is a human conversation. And that's what we do is because I'm a firm believer, and I share this in the video a couple times, is I'm a firm believer in what is the story of the humans? What is the story of the people behind the real estate investing? Because at the end of the day, guys, we're going through this journey of life on a human experience, right? It's not about the amount of properties you transact and the doors you get and the cash flow you get. It's about who you become in the process of becoming a real estate investor. That's most important. And that's uh, one of the threads and themes that I like to build into the Raising Capital Academy is not just the tactical how-to steps to uh, acquire properties, to build and scale and all that kind of wonderful stuff, but who do you become in the process? Let's say you built and scaled an entire portfolio and then you get there and you don't like the person and you're looking at in the mirror. That is one of the most important conversations and some of the most deepest, important work
work that we will do is uh, how do we work on ourselves and who do we come in the process of becoming successful within real estate. Okay, I could go on and on, but this is an incredible story. So please uh, help me welcome Jay Gabrani. Well, welcome here. So holy moly, if if the conversation, I, I actually, Jay and I were just having this wonderful conversation here and I almost forgot to hit the record button and said, geez, we have to record this here. So if the conversation is going to be anything, uh, even half as good as what we had when we were off camera, this is just going to be purely epic. So before I get into it and introduce my special guest, let's just jump right into it. Jay Gabrani, why don't you say hi to everybody here for us? Uh, hello there, everybody. Great, great, great to be with you, Russell. Hey, Jay, uh, you know, I'm getting a little old and a little gray in the beard and and my memory is starting to not uh, serve me as well. How long has it been? How long have we known each other for? When did we first meet? Yeah, I think it's pretty simple. My first son was born or my first child was born August 2005. And I joined Rain in December of that year. And one of the first people I met at my first meeting was you. Was that just a little short guy? It's funny when, when Jay and I, when I, Jay and I stand beside each other, it's, it's like, uh, it's like Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> it is how tall, how tall are you, Jay? Uh, six, five. Six, yes. five. And, and six I, five. I refer to Jay as the gentle giant, the gentle right? Giant. Like you truly are one of those uh, souls that if you ever get to know Jay and you hopefully you can get to know and see some of Jay here today is that he just has that soul. He has that gentle soul and he just comes from a place no different than like myself and what we do in our communities. We come from a place of value. We come from a place of service and we care more about who we become in the process mm-hmm. of being a real estate investor than the actual accomplishment of a goal or doubling your portfolio or hundreds of units and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Very well said. It's all about the journey. Yeah, absolutely. The destination. For sure. Now, now just for my audience, most of them are real estate investors. Jay, what, can you give us a little quick Coles notes? So I'm showing my age again yes. <laughs> of a Coles notes reference notes. of your real estate investing background for some context. Great. Uh, yeah. So started learning in 2005 after my son was born, learned for about 18 months and jumped wholeheartedly into the beautiful market of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Unfortunately, my timing was really bad because it was the absolute top that you could buy at. And the credit crisis basically crushed it from $275,000 units within six months down below $200,000. So that was my first foray. But I did still know that there was something to it. Made a couple of switches in strategy and location. The location being right here in my backyard of Oakville, Ontario. Uh, brought in partners because I was out of money at the time. And of course, your binder is here somewhere. I relied on Russell's joint venture funding binder to create the whole, all the collateral, brought in some partners and brother, yeah, let's just say it's gone really, really well since then. We bought about 2 million bucks worth of real estate and ultimately it went up to almost tripled by the time 2016, 17 rolled around. Right now it's in the, you know, 250% growth rate from then. Uh, haven't bought too much in the last few years because the prices have gone up. I'm a buy and hold guy. Yep. Two left hands. Don't like rentals. Don't really like any of that flipping stuff. I like long-term. So uh, just uh, you know, a couple of condo units in Oakville and Mississauga, and that's about it. But very happy, and I'm sure as we get into my story a little bit, uh, very thankful that I did take the steps 
back in 2005 to get started. Uh, that I found was kind of the, it was the hardest push, right? When you get started and you build momentum, things take care of themselves eventually. But yeah, I'm really thankful for that portfolio. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we are um, just setting the stage a little bit from a real estate perspective, but, but really what we're going to really get down to is a human story. And we're going to get down to the humanity of the people behind the action within real estate, because there's an awful lot of, I think, a lot of in the world of social media out there right now, guys, you may see a facade and you may see a persona of success or what somebody's portraying on social media, but behind the scenes, there's a, there might be a different story. And, and, uh, and we're going to talk about a human story. We're going to actually talk about some, some crisis. We're going to talk about some challenging times. We're going to talk about some adversity. We're going to talk about some resiliency. We're going to talk about some pivoting. So we got some really light, fluffy topics to talk about here. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Right. So here's the first analogy I'm going to offer, guys. So, so the first thing we're going to talk about, we're going to talk a little bit about when crisis strikes. I, I'm a firm believer when, when, when a crisis or a challenging time happens, no different than what we're going through right now with this whole COVID-19 pandemic. And we can you know, have a debate back and forth if it was the right decision or wrong decision or right response, wrong response. It is what it is. We have to adapt and move forward. Um, I'm a firm believer in, and, and guys, I'm going to use, a, I'm using props here. We have a, a, a bowl and an orange. I'm a firm believer in whenever you get squeezed, whenever you get squeezed, when the pressure's on and what comes out of it, when you get squeezed, what comes out, right? When you're in a challenge and when you're in a crisis, what comes out of you? Is it sweeter orange juice than ever before? Or is it bitter? Or is it sour? Or is it a lemon that comes out of you after that? I'm a firm believer that the more you get squeezed during that time of any challenging times, really, it shows the true character. That's what comes out during a, a challenging time. So, so guys, we're going to dive into Jay's story here a little bit. And I'm going to probably just take a little bit of a backseat role because this is a story that... Um, is 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 a deep one and it is an all too real story that everyone will encounter in some way shape or form in their life i don't um you know we might not get into the exact same details but in some way shape or form this will happen so jay um real estate investor bought some properties pivoted children all, all being born yep. all, all things look pretty rosy for you didn't it yes you know what i mean like I'm going to talk to you about three very specific challenges. The second one, which was a big one. And the first one was the credit crisis. Okay. Young father, early thirties, first ever real estate investment and absolutely bombed. Okay. So that in my mind back then, that was like, oh my goodness. It's like one of the worst things that can possibly happen. Right. Because you're young, you don't have the maturity yet to kind of deal with these type of things. So let's just say that um, eventually what came out of that was there was a lot of kind of, when I say heartache, it's when I, when I get to the other two stories, yeah, there was more heartache in those two than this one. But back then when I was currently in the situation, that was to me like, Oh well, my goodness, my wife is looking at me. Like, what are you doing? I got three young children at home. Like what in the world am I doing? Etc. Like you question yourself, your confidence gets affected. Your self-esteem gets affected. But then out of that, the one thing I did realize was I had to keep going. So for anyone who's kind of feeling bad about what we're going through right now, the first lesson I want to I talk about is you got to keep going. There's no point in quitting. 
there's just a point in reassessing and potentially kind of rejigging your plan. So that's the first lesson from the first crisis that really was a crisis for me. Uh, and, having, and, uh, by the way, imagine as we get into the other challenges, that first crisis of losing a little bit of money on a piece of real estate yes. is put into perspective. Oh, geez, Joe Russell, it's it's like so minor now yeah. in the overall scheme of things that because uh, I've made that money back multiple times over. But the whole point of it was when I was currently in it, it was very, very stressful. It was very emotional. But yes, time has a way of healing. Uh, as you go through life, you have different experiences, you gain some wisdom. So yeah, I was able to deal with that. The second crisis though, this one's going to be a little bit tougher, right? So there's a lot of parents I'm sure that are going to be listening to this call. And I was just like kind of everyone else, right? Working hard. I was the outwardly focused spouse, real estate, business, etc. My wife was super busy looking after the household and three young children. All right. So my kids were born in 2005, 2007, and 2009. Okay. Now everything was going fine. We were, it was busy. It was hectic, but now there was a very unfortunate and extraordinary event that happened in life. And this was kind of the big crisis was, um, basically back in 2011, my wife had a slip and fall. The next day she went to the doctor and he prescribed her pain pills called Oxycontins. And she had never taken anything like that in her life before. Now, Russ, you already know that, you know, the next three years were basically, uh, like a hell. All right. Like she developed a big addiction to these pills. Um, she started losing her sense of self-esteem, her confidence. She was lying in bed all day, couldn't get out of bed to do the things which she was normally used to doing. Uh, let's just say that those pills eke away at you, right? They, they, they totally chip away at you. And, um, it was really tough for me to understand as a husband, we're like, you know, we got three young kids, you know, you got to, get out of it. You got to snap out of it. These are all advices, which I didn't know any better at the time. So she developed addiction, uh, with three young kids. She also had postpartum depression. So let's just say it was a vicious, vicious, small tough cocktail of things. And in 2014, uh, she passed away. Okay. Now the story behind her passing away was that uh, she didn't want to be here anymore. So to me, it's one of those stories that, um, I tell now because I can tell it without, without crying, um, but I tell it because I know that there are people in the audience who are going through some version of that, right? Like they maybe don't feel the greatest about themselves. Maybe this challenge has kind of knocked them out. Maybe they don't have their job. They lost their job. Maybe their business is affected. It has to shut down. There's so many things that are going through people's minds these days, but I want to put it in perspective that that, that was a major curveball. Okay. Like that was something where when that happened overnight, I became a single father of three kids, five, seven, and nine at the time. So to me, it was like one of those things where what in the world am I going to do now? Thankfully, let's tie back real estate. Thankfully, we had taken steps to build that portfolio. I ended up taking four years off, four year sabbatical, just so I could, so I could mourn, right? Devastating loss, your spouse. She was only 42 help my kids readjust routines and life. And just, I just wanted to be all about them. How can I spend time with them and what do I need to do? Thankfully, I was able to do this financially because of real estate. So the big lesson that I want people to learn out of that, and it's one that I taught my kids and they had to learn it, unfortunately, at that very, very young age was, good things are gonna happen in life, 
bad things are going to happen in life. The only thing we control is how we react to any of it. So that is something that now that big lesson is what I want people to take away from the second experience. The third experience is exactly what we're going through right now. All right. But I really want to point something out here is because of those previous two experiences. Um, let's just say that I have not been stressed out. I have not been worried like at all, as long as we're following our own safety protocol, right? Not going out anywhere, really not doing anything. My three children and I, their safety and my safety are really the only things that I care about. And as long as we are doing what we can, keeping it in our control, what can we control? As long as we're doing that, we're fine. They also, a lot of teenagers are going through some pretty anxious times right now because they don't know what's going on. They're worried. Am I going to get sick? Are my parents going to get sick, et cetera? But the one thing I'll happily say for my kids is that they're not because they already went through a more devastating experience when they lost their mom. So the third lesson is pretty simple. It is focus on what you can control. So the Facebook, you know, like let's say people are on Facebook. I've seen so many arguments and posts of how many dead, how many people died today in Italy? Who has the bigger growth rate, Italy or Iran or South Korea or whatever? None of this matters. None of it matters to us. I don't pay any attention. You can go on my Facebook. I have not commented once or posted once about any of these items because I can't control any of them anyway. Why would I worry about it? Why would I take up my mental bandwidth worrying about it, dealing with it, et cetera? I just worry about what I can control. And those are the steps with my children and I. So I hope people can understand that each of these three crises, they gave me a lesson. And the more lessons you have, the easier you are to deal with stuff. So that is kind of the way I look at crisis. And hopefully the audience can understand that if they can instill those three lessons, they're going to be able to handle this crisis and anything else that comes at us in the future. Life will throw us curveballs. There'll be more. We just need to have the tactics to deal with them. Wow. Oh. <laughs> I'm not chuckling at anything in any way, shape, or story. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what direction we go and unpacking all those things you just said. Um, because, first of all, Jay, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I know you and I had a, a conversation. I think you and I did the first, I had, we had the opportunity of doing the first interview. You talked about this publicly, I believe right. a few years ago. That's right. And um, I see and notice a huge change in how you have processed this along the way. And it's probably a, a journey that is a lifetime of processing, really, I would it imagine. Is. It is, brother, when you don't have your spouse here anymore and, uh, the whole kit and caboodle of kids and all the household and all the business and all the real, everything falls on your shoulders. Yeah. You got to process things and you have to determine what's really important and what is just a waste of time. And I, let's just say I've become pretty good at that. I don't really waste much time. I right. don't, I use my 24 hours pretty well. Yeah. And, and you could, and you, I think you hit the nail on the head today about jumping onto social media now is like, really what, it, what's it, what's a what's the purpose of it? And I posted a blog post and an email that went out today is, are you creating or are you consuming? Like, are you yes. consuming that and mindlessly, endlessly scrolling through the crap or are you creating the life you want to live? And I know which side you, you, you yeah. prescribe to is always creating and always helping and inspiring others, right? 
the little saying I have, Russell, is, is that I'm a player. I'm yeah. not a fan. I basically, I play the game. I'm in the arena. I'm in the field to play. I might make mistakes, but you just know every day I'm going to come back. Yeah. I'm not now, a fan. You, you'd mentioned something about handling challenging times and crises and stuff. And we, guys, we, this is, this is not just a, a, oh, woe is me tale. This is actually one of the most yeah. inspiring tales you'll ever see and ever hear about. But um, some people might be really going through some crisis right now. Yes. And um, do you mind if we dive into maybe a few of the tactics that and you talked about some tactics? So, yes. So you, uh, your wife had passed away. You had made a commitment to take some time off. You said you, so how were you able to do that financially as a starting point? Yes. So basically at the start, the first year, year and a half, I just refinanced a property, uh, took like six figures out of it, put it yeah. in my bank account and didn't really think of it again. So that means so you just needed, I don't, to create, you needed to create enough of a, a, a nest egg of just cash that's right. to just be able to just hold space to just deal with the process. Yes. You need room, yeah. right? You need room around yourself so that the external pressure of finances doesn't come in. Now, if I hadn't started real estate, people have asked me, Jay, what would you have done if you didn't have real estate? And I'm just like, I have no clue. I would have figured something else out but I have no clue. So for those of you who might be sitting on the fence a little bit, definitely plant seeds because if I didn't plant those seeds, they wouldn't have grown and I would have had to do something else, which would have been probably a lot more stressful. So or, if you, or if you would have quit after that first failed oh, transaction, oof. it would yes. be completely, we wouldn't be talking today. <laughs> exactly. Very, very good point. So okay. that's where it's, I did still see so much worthwhile in pursuing real estate investing. I just timing wise, it wasn't right. So, but that doesn't mean that you can't sit down, rejig it. And here's the one thing that I think is very useful is when I invested in those properties, 275 and they fell down below 200, I was immediately thinking that, oh my goodness, I've, uh, it was two properties at the time. So 75 plus 75, I just lost 150,000. It kept ringing through my head. I just lost 150,000. And then, you know what, year after year goes by, and now we've, I still own those properties. And here's the one thing, is that, let's say, whatever, in the 13, 14 years that I've owned them, they've only been vacant for three months. That's it. So back then, I was thinking, oh my goodness, vacancy, ca negative cash flow, et cetera. Now that I've had some of the experience and benefit of time, it really hasn't been that bad. It, they've come up a little bit in value, but the mortgage pay down has been pretty good. So it's to a point where I'm not really losing much anymore. If I hang on to them a few more years, we'll see what happens in Alberta. Hopefully there's a comeback coming at some point, but it really isn't that bad. <laughs> it I, I wasn't that bad. We're in the same boat rolling yes. together. <laughs> you got it. We were at the exact same place, the exact same time. Yeah. So that was one thing. And then here's the other lesson is that I attached that $150,000 loss to me. And I let it affect my, my worth, my esteem, just to myself. And I, I do not remember if I read it, if I heard it somewhere back then, but basically the lesson was separate yourself from the actual number. The number is not you. So, you know, I was in debt back then. I had lost my down payment money, everything. But then I was able to say, okay, that doesn't reflect you. What you do from here on in, from this day forward, 
will reflect you. So detaching yourself from the kind of number, the number is the number. Some people, it might be a smaller number. Some people it might be a much bigger number. Who knows? You might be a commercial landlord. It might be a huge number right now, right? Like things aren't getting, you're not getting rent, et cetera. So everyone is in their own scenario, but let's please understand, do not associate yourself with the number. Yeah. Because in crisis times, especially right now, the economic number is a pretty big deal to people. You have to be able to separate yourself. Well, so and, that's but, definitely tactic one. Yeah, and and here's uh, so so fantastic tactic number one is create some runway and some space, right? Uh, the next is, and and that's just because you had you were in a position where you could lever some assets and you just created some some cash. The next is you had to really start working on yourself, right? The most important real estate is between this year and this year, yes. and and um. And and to be honest, with a lot of these challenges, is a conversation I had with yesterday when I was helping somebody on a coaching session. Is um, if you think about it, is how you handle these hundred and fifty thousand dollar mountains and how you pass these test days and test situations when yes. you have goals and ambitions to impact and ins- and help other people. And if you have big ambitions to help and and fulfillment, and you have those big ambitions, how you handle the hundred fifty thousand dollar problems. And how you handle those tests will impact how you handle the $150 million problems down the road. And you will Very keep well learning the same lessons and keep going through the same tests until you can pass them. Right. So, it. so it almost is, and I hate that I'm not wishing this on anybody, but some of these challenging, especially with your portfolio, some of these are rites of passage to prove that you can handle something bigger. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's make that very clear to people, especially maybe who are just starting. If you expect to build, if you expect to build a real estate portfolio without challenges, you are sadly mistaken. Yeah, it's you're just in the wrong, part of the, in the wrong business. Yeah, it's just part of the journey. Like, uh, there's a saying in one of the books I love, "One Minute Millionaire." I accept challenges with glee and joy in my heart. It's a very different mindset. Yeah, like when people get hit with challenges, oh, why did this happen to me, et cetera, et cetera. No, I accept them with glee and joy, and I'll figure them out. Yep. And that, that could be a nice lesson for, for some folks. Uh, absolutely. Okay. So create the runway, um, get the space to be able to handle. And and so I would imagine there was probably, did you, did you engage family to help out? Like I would imagine there was times that you just didn't want to get out of bed in the morning yourself or, or were you just in the thing is I just got to do what I got to do and suck it up and move forward. Like what was the process you went through? Yeah, brother. The first year was, uh, the first year the was a blur. Like it was, it was, I'd wake up in the morning, I'd drive my kids to school, I'd come back home and I'd basically like stare at walls or I'd cry or whatever until I had to go pick them up again in the afternoon. The first year was very difficult for me because I didn't really bring in anyone else on it. I wasn't on social media. I don't talk to people very openly. I'm a very private guy. Um, Thankfully, my mother and her mother, both grandmas, they really kind of pitched in. They helped around the house and if I needed a babysitter just to get out, et cetera. So they're my close family, yes, certainly. Um, and I'm, I'm involved in two masterminds, which have been going on since 2008, right? Our Les Hewitt experience. Uh, so I relied on my mastermind guys and my family. Outside of that, not really anyone else until I was ready to talk about it and yes, our interview that we did back then, I think it was 2015 or 16, I can't remember, but that was the first time I was able to talk without just totally breaking down, right? Or else I wouldn't have been able to. So 
family mastermind. Um, and then I think we should extend the lesson is that that is when I realized after that first year, the next three years, Russell, of my sabbatical, I did the thing of, uh, you got to be good to yourself. Jay, you got to be good to yourself. So I started working out more. I started eating a lot more healthy, drinking a lot more water. And the one key one, which I had never done before was I started meditating 10 minutes a day. And I still do that. I meditate every day, 10 minutes. I thought before it was kind of silly or foo-foo or whatever. But then once I started doing it, yeah, man, like it really does help. It helps clear your mind. So I really want people to understand this is something applicable to everybody. Let's say financially, you're going through a tough time right now during this whole pandemic. Well, you can still take care of your body. You can still take care of your health. You know, you can eat vitamins. You can do things that'll at least make you feel better on that realm while you deal with the financial realm. Don't let the financial realm bring down everything else. Yeah. We operate on many systems. So being good to yourself is hugely important. Yep. Hugely. Well, and, and if I could really just even just, so thank you very much for sharing all those things. And I'm going to summarize something that I, I'm summarize something I just heard from you is sometimes people think that during a crisis, there needs to be something grand, you know, like the burning, the tablets from the mountaintop or something biblical that come down in order to get out of these things. But if I just heard all the things you just rattled off there, specific tactics, Every single one of them is doable. Every single one of them was simple. And you just got back to basics of life. And by you taking good care of yourself and meditation and good food and listening to good people and asking for good help, it slowly got you out of the, out of the, out of the, uh, the crisis that you were going through. You got it, brother. That's it. Like, and there's, a, there's an old saying is, you know, sometimes the simple things are easy to do, but they're also easy not to do. <laughs> yes. Right? True. And every single thing that Jay just rattled off there, guys, of good sleep, good food, good, you know, exercise, good conversations, talking the problem, meditation, every single one of us watching this today can, can do that. Now, here's the challenge I highly challenge, encourage everybody is don't wait for a spouse or a family member to die to implement these things. You can start tomorrow to implement each and every one of these things into your life. Very, very true. And yes, that's something we talked about lesson three, focus on what you can control. These are all things that you control, right? Whether you're working, whether you're not working, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Control this stuff. Don't worry about Social media, don't worry about things that are totally outside of your realm. Who got what masks, right? Who got tested? Who didn't get tested? These are all completely irrelevant, completely irrelevant to your success and to your future. So to me, it's just, yeah, I'm really big on that. And I teach my kids this all the time. Focus on what you can control. Well, and the ironic thing about this, Jay, is I'm going to post this on social media. So, <laughs> but well, but here's the thing: you can get um, good stuff on social media exactly. too, right? You, it, you choose the what you you either create or consume, right? That's right. And That's if right. you do have to consume something, this is something I want you to consume because this is this is this is food for the soul. This yes. this truly is. Um, okay, so so let's let's dive into um, so challenging strike happens. You've you've um, started preparing yourself and you've got yourself out of the fog. You're starting to move forward. Um, how did you, you, did you, sorry, I guess I should not frame the question better is, did you use this crisis time to help you pivot to serve more 
or what, what really came out of this whole thing for you? Great. Let's go back to the, the two crises, you know, number two and three, right? So after my wife's passing, that first year of the sabbatical, that was just for me. Then uh, one of the experiences I had on the sabbatical, Russell, was I was my wife's executor, the executor of her estate. I was trained and educated as a professional accountant, okay? Lifelong entrepreneur and real estate investor. So you would think that if someone kind of can handle it, I'd handle it. It'd be like it's in, in my realm. Holy shit, man. Like I had so many problems dealing, being with the executor. So then I started talking to other fathers. What would you do if? And let's just say the answers were not good. Like most fathers didn't even have a will. And let's say if something happened to them, their family wouldn't know where to get their most important information from. They were severely unprepared or underprepared. So I started in late 2018, I started Prepared Fathers. And Prepared Fathers, that's our mission. Our mission is how do we empower fathers and their families, right? That's financially. How do we do that? And I spent a lot of time kind of working with fathers, coaching fathers, uh, having products for fathers. Now let's shift to this this current crisis of the pandemic. It's actually a kind of an interesting story. I remember the date, March 12th, okay, a little while back. March 12th, I got an email from my kid's high school or the school board or whatever. School is closed. And I was like, okay, I get that. All right, we got to be safe, no problem. But there was a ringing question in my head. What does that mean? (laughs) Yeah, first of all, okay, you're going to shut down the next three weeks. Okay, that's that's fine. I get it. We were going on holidays, spring break anyways, right? (laughs) Exactly. One of the weeks was March break. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. I don't want my kids to go to school if there's a danger anyway, so I'll keep them at home. Great. But the ringing question in my head was, what in the world am I going to do with my three kids while we're on this break, self-isolation break? Because I literally went from, you know, dealing with father, 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 father. And then on March 12th, I get this email saying, okay, your kids are going to be home with you now. So the one thing that happened later on that evening Thursday evening, I actually took a picture of my son, 14-year-old Jaden, in bed, in an unmade bed, lying there, looking at his phone, and eating a bag of chips. And I was just looking at it like, this cannot be the way that this whole self-isolation break is going to go. So here's what I did. I simply asked him and my other teenager, my daughter Serena, hey guys, you know what? This isn't going to work for me, you guys doing nothing, so I want us to stay safe but I want us to be productive or else I can't, I can't handle this, what you guys are doing. And I said, do you want me to teach you guys about money and investing in depth? Surprisingly, they both said, sure, because they knew they were going to be bored during the self-isolation break. I said, okay, great. Do you think some of your friends would want to join us? You know, we'll do it on a zoom call or whatever, just so I can get more questions. They're like, yes. So what ended up me thinking there'd be like three to five teenagers ended up being 30 teenagers that got on six sessions with me over the course of two weeks, late March, okay? We recorded these six sessions, personal finance, real estate investing, stock investing, how to do your own business, et cetera. Things which I always thought teenagers were kind of lazy and didn't want to know about it, but man, oh man, the questions we got, the interest level, the engagement, it made me realize teenagers really want to learn about this stuff. Then I started asking parents in my world, Do you guys teach your stuff, teach these things to teenagers? A lot of them said, we want to, but for reasons like we don't have the time, we don't have the expertise, we don't have the inclination because we're just, we're not good at that stuff. 
we want to teach them, but we can't. So Russell, I basically saw that there is an enormous gap. A lot of parents, 100% of parents agreed. I want my teen to learn this stuff. I also saw that only about 23 to 25% of them actually talk to their kids about money. Huge gap. So we just pivoted recently in the last two weeks in Prepared Fathers to start focus on educating teenagers. And our initial, our initial results are excellent, really, really good. Um, so how do I do it? I simply train on free webinars and invite them at the end of free webinars to join what's called our Teen Finance Accelerator. So that is how we pivoted in this crisis. So it just was, it was more like a, I was scratching my own itch. The problem I had was as a parent, my teenagers just sitting here, they're going to be bored. They're going to make, they're going to drive me crazy. So I have to make something fruitful out of this. And that's how it all worked out. So did I have it on my planning board to start educating teenagers? Not at all. Not at all. So in yeah. a way, that's how this crisis yeah, most most business, most business ventures come from we're scratching our own itch, and That's then eventually we go. I, if I need this, probably other people will need this at the same time. So, wow, yes. you you touched on a, a lot of real cool things there. And and Jay, you know what? Quite honestly, you're 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 providing an incredible value and service for what you know. We could argue till the cows come home that this should be provided in school. Sure, it should be, but it's not right. And I'll just give you. I hope I don't get in trouble for sharing this this story. I'm going to tell a real quick story about our, our, our middle daughter, Emma. I probably won't get in trouble because she does never watch any of the stuff I do anyways. <laughs> yes. So sure. anyways, we were just doing Emma's taxes just recently going through, which we should have not let her do with them. But, but anyways, we did her taxes for her. Um, and we also, she's um, 19, she'll be 20 this year, got her to apply for her first credit card. Okay. And then so we got her application. We kind of walked her through. We said, here's the option. This one, this is a free option. This is, you know, these are the different things. Kind of walked her through a little bit of, and Kareen did most of this, right? My lovely wife, Kareen. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, and then so Emma, we gave her the homework to go call. When the bank called, she had to answer a few questions. She stumbled away through it. And then the bank comes back and says, well, we're going to give you, we'll give you a credit card and we'll start off, start you off. It's $500. And she goes, no, I, I wanted the free one. <laughs> so so meaning it's nice. you know it was the the limit was five hundred dollars right not nice. that it would she thought she had to pay five hundred dollars to get a credit card there right? you go Great so I, that, i'm not throwing emma under the bus i actually threw myself under the bus that we did not do a good job of educating her on that whole process brother so, i'm finding it Pretty common, right? A lot of parents, first of all, a lot of parents and teenagers, it's kind of oil and water, right? Like they just have trouble communicating. Forget about money or whatever. Like they're just, there's problems there. Then the parents also might just lack the expertise. They might not, they might not know about real estate investing like you and I or <laughs> stock market. So they don't feel comfortable. Yep. And the other one is just like, if you ask me to teach, you know how the homeschooling is going on now, like science and geography and all this stuff. I have, zero inclination to teach this stuff to my kids. I don't remember any of this stuff really from my own schooling. And I'm just like, that's your teacher's job. They can do it. But you want to learn about money and investing and all that stuff. I'm all for it. I I'm juiced by it. I get very energetic, but a lot of other (laughs) juiced by it, brother. There you go. Um, It's one of those things that a lot of parents don't. So I think that we're filling in a massive gap here. And uh, yeah, I just want to, and that I want parents to feel good about this, right? Like 
if you can't, because of those reasons, maybe not, you, you don't feel comfortable or you don't want to talk to your teenager, well, let me do it. Some of the comments we got was, it's very helpful when another adult <laughs> talks to them about it because I'm not emotionally invested with them, right? Yep. I, don't, I don't know if they clean their room or not while I'm teaching them this stuff. So well, to me, I'm just teaching this stuff. Let's put it this way. That's, uh, I was just about, I, I will 100% echo that comment. And I have two, two, two stories to share with it. Number one is we made the conscious choice when, when the kids were starting to drive and learning how to drive. Mm. Um, that we weren't going to be the ones that we're going to teach them. Because first of all, there can be some butting of heads and they don't want to listen to us potentially. So yep. we hired young drivers. We hired, it was actually, okay, truth be told, Kareen's parents for each of the kids' 16th birthday gave them young drivers as part of their 16th birthday present. Sweet. But let's have a professional teach them the good habits and they'll listen to the professional a lot better, right? And then sure. the other thing is, once you also get teens surrounded in an environment of their peers, they will actually see each other learning these things, and it'll actually be better than just an adult telling them these things as well. And the story I could share there was when we were trying to teach our, our youngest daughter how to ride her bike without training wheels. Yes. We couldn't get her, you know, couldn't get her. She was so, she was so scared to take her training wheels off. And no matter what we said or tried to do or encourage her, rah, 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 siskoom, bah, mm -hmm. she just wouldn't do it. Until we put her into pedal heads, a group of her peers. Right. Within one hour, her training wheels were off <laughs> and she's, because she saw the other kids doing it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Right? Yes, the peer pressure, not pressure, but the peer influence is very strong in the teenage years, for sure. Yeah. Very well, strong. Well, that, that is awesome how you've managed to just take these. Like, guys, here's, a, here's the biggest lesson out of all of There's so many in deep lessons here. It's really every big challenge. Some, some of these challenges would absolutely just wipe somebody out. Even just one of the three, not add all three of them together, mm -hmm. could potentially wipe something out. You've taken each one of those three and you've actually are building something bigger each time it happens. Yes. And I think that within every adversity, people call these adversarial type of things, within every adversity lies the seed of opportunity. And I've been a big believer in that. It's yeah. in some book. It's uh, that's the thing. Rich. I don't know, think I don't know what you're thinking. Think and grow rich, brother. It's right Does it think and grow rich? Yeah. We've just read so many Age books. 74. There you go. I just can't remember where I've learned all this stuff, but I've read it so many times. Yep. It's ingrained now. So it's one of those things that, yeah, like, and I see it. Every, every adversity, there's something that comes out of it that's potentially you can do good. And again, it all surrounds that whole thing you mentioned earlier. What value are you providing? Are you helping other people? That's the one thing on my four-year sabbatical, prepared fathers, I knew that I was going to start a business where... It was all about who can I impact? Who can I help? And that was the first thing. It wasn't what program am I going to offer? What am I going to sell? It had nothing to do with that stuff. It was all about what's the group that I can help? And let's build something around that. Yep. yep. So it's I all think about, that's... Absolutely. It's all about who the audience, who are you serving, and what are the problems they're going to have? And it is right. just such an authentic way to, you know, people always have an issue with selling things. But if you actually solve a real problem for something that somebody can't solve on their own, they'd be very willing to part with trade cash for a solution to a problem that they can't solve on their own. You're doing a disservice if you don't offer them that. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a lot of people out there who are, they have these problems and they want help. But then some people who want to provide that help, 
they get this mental block of this salesy thing that you just talked about. You're actually doing your audience a complete disservice if you do not offer them something because there's going to be a percentage of them that want to move forward with you. Yep. You must offer it. Like if you don't, then you're, you're cheating them and you're cheating yourself, of course. So yeah, no one, no one should ever feel like that. Very cool. Um, so there's, there's multiple different directions we can probably go, but I, I could probably open up, I'd probably open up Pandora's box and we could probably didn't do another seven series on, on this as well. And that wasn't my entire intention here is to, I wanted to just really share with people the humanness behind the real estate story. This is truly a real estate story. Mm-hmm. And this is a story of, of somebody who's managed to pivot and provide value and service in other arenas. So Jay, um, if somebody was interested in getting a hold of you for a, for, you know, prepared fathers, are you still offering help in that area as well? Certainly they okay. can uh, just visit the website, www.preparedfathers.com. Yeah. Um, if they're more interested as a parent of a teenager, then, um, you have the link. If you could drop it, it's kind of a longer link, preparedfathers.com forward yeah. slash TFA or something like that. Uh, that is one way that they can, yeah, if they want me to help out with their teens, just sign up for a free webinar, see how I teach them, see what I teach them, and then they can join me that way. But I look forward to helping anyone. And and you don't have to be a father, by the way. That's the other thing that the pandemic brought was, uh, I had some ladies reaching out to me and saying, can we get your help on this, this, this? And before, whether it was kind of silliness, I was just like, yeah, ladies, I kind of just deal with fathers. It was kind of silly of me, but now I realize it doesn't matter who needs my help or who wants some guidance. Uh, I'm there. Yeah. So awesome. And I just know that's the kind of that's the kind of heart that you have uh, of 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 that of just helping and supporting people along the way. So um, Jay, before I offer the last question, I'm going to offer you is if I'm going to give you the final word, sort of. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I know if you had some final inspiring words that you'd like to share with everybody here, but before. Um, I asked that. I wanted to just offer you something. I wanted to offer you a thank you and and a gratitude from the bottom of my heart. Um, the day, and I'm trying not to make this sound really weird and awkward, but I think guys need to show more emotion than we probably do. And this might be an awkward emotional moment. And guys, if you have to turn it off here, you might want to ask yourself, <laughs> how is this serving you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm just very blessed the day that you came into my life um, very blessed of seeing who you are in in times of crisis, but also more importantly, who you are every day and how you show up as a human being for your father and how you serve your community and how you help people. Um, there's an old saying from Saskatchewan that my family says, and my, a lot of people from Saskatchewan say is, use good people. And go. I want to see good people win. And the last thing I'm just going to offer you is I love you. Thank you so much, brother. The feeling is mutual. Uh, I've learned a lot of stuff from you over a long time now. And I know that you're also out there serving. So I think we have to band together and there's a lot of good guys like us. Unfortunately, there's some bad guys too. But uh, yes, we stick together. We provide value. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate your words. Thank you so much. What would be some final inspiring words that you'd love to leave with everybody here before we sign off? Yes. You use the orange juice analogy. I love it. One of the other quotes that I've, I've heard is a coal, when it's put under pressure, a piece of coal, it turns out to become a diamond. So I encourage people out there, you might be feeling like 
a piece of coal right now. You might be under a lot of pressure from various different things, but it's this pressure and how you ultimately will deal with it and you come out the other side, you can come out the other side as a diamond. That's really what I want people to know. It's in your control. You might lose your job. You might not make that much money, but at the end of the day, as long as you have your health and your family's health, you can still accomplish like all kinds of things. So I want people to really stay focused on that. Wow. I think that's a beautiful place to leave this off with. So guys, um, if you are watching this, wherever you're watching it, there probably will be a place to um, get some additional information, resources. But most important, what I'd love to do is have everybody share this. Share this with somebody who you maybe is going through something and maybe you're not equipped to handle the conversation. Maybe mm -hmm. in the conversation you have with somebody and they're just talking about their teens or are driving them nuts and I need to put them into something to keep them busy. Or maybe just somebody is having a, a really tough time and some grief and some crisis. Share this with them. It will absolutely help somebody. At a worst case scenario, let's all make a commitment to share something positive on Facebook and we'll slowly turn the tide together. So love it. I think that's great. A great piece of advice. Right on. So with that being said, everybody have yourself a wonderful day. Bye for now. Hey guys, so what did you think? What a, an incredible, inspiring message. So first of all, Jay, I hope you're watching this again. And I just wanted to thank you. I wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart again for being vulnerable, uh, stepping up and sharing your incredible story with the community members and people that are going to listen to this. It truly is an inspiring story where Jay shared with each and every one of us three very heart-wrenching stories. You know, each one is in different degrees and variations. But I, the biggest thing I got from all of this is really, what do you do with the crisis? What do you do with the challenge? Are you supported? As Jay mentioned, are you supported in the mastermind? Are you supported with people that you reach out to for help? Are you supported in your self-care, your self-love, and the entire community you surround yourself with? That's one of the goals that I'm looking to do within the Raising Capital Academy, within the community, is to help and support each and every one of you. So I'm going to put this out here if any of you guys are um, feeling some stress or some challenges and you just need some time to talk to somebody uh, by all means please reach out uh, there should be a way to contact myself through uh, email or something like that reach out let's see if the, we can you know at least having somebody to talk to during these challenging times might be the start to having uh, to get you on the road to the recovery in the next step as Jay had mentioned in the video is just really him just starting to share the story was the starting point to uh, to the for the healing process. Okay, so I know it was a deep and heavy one, um, but there are a lot of incredible lessons to take from this. You may find yourself going back to this one a couple times. And um, guys, if there's anything you need, by all means, just please let me know. I'm here to help, here to serve, and by all means, every day, everyone, every one of you, I'm looking at you. Always leave them feeling inspired encouraged and have them know that you came from a place of love. Okay, guys, until the next one, we'll talk to you very soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you.
Bye for now.